All right, John 17, 1 to 10, we looked at last week with Jesus' glorious intercession. And we use the word glory as uh, taken from Jesus' prayer. Uh, the glory that I had, glorify yourself, glorify uh, your son. Uh, and so uh, you'll see that uh, term glory again, the idea of glory at the end of the prayer as well. So this is a uh, God, the Father is glorified, and the Son is going to give us a perfect prayer. Uh, none of us have ever paid perfect prayers because we're not perfect. <laughs> uh, but the, the Son of God is perfect. And so this is a perfect prayer uh, that focuses on the Father's glory. And so how is the Father glorified? Uh, tonight we're going to look at verses 11 to 19. And uh, next week, Lord willing, the last... Um, the last seven verses, the father is glorified and he starts praying for disciples in verse six, uh, six to 19. We start already started into that section, uh, but 11 to 19, the father is glorified as disciple makers of Christ know their security in Christ. Security is a term that unfortunately we have to talk about more and more as uh, we hear of um a lack of security in certain buildings and people go in and uh, and kill others and wound people. But it's also a term that if you wanna keep something safe. And so I have a wedding ring here that um, if my kids were five years old, I would never, and they, had, they wanted something for show and tell at school, um, preschool, preschool, kindergarten, I would never give this to them and say, okay, you keep this safe, you go to school, and you bring it back to daddy, all right? Uh, no, what we do is go to their play play, uh, play toys and find a dollar ring or go buy a dollar ring uh, somewhere at the dollar store, and they can take that for show and tell. Uh, because you don't have you don't have really valuable things in the hands of a five-year-old. Also here at church, we have uh, security. We also don't have 10-year-olds that do security. Um, that's just not on our radar. It probably wouldn't be you guys, if you saw a 10 year old, as you walked in, you're like, oh, I feel safe. <laughs> like, you'll be thinking, what are they doing there? <laughs> they shouldn't be there. Um, so when it comes to our security, our security is only safe as where our security lies. Who is keeping us safe? So there are a lot of people who think we have to keep ourselves safe. Uh, we have to keep ourselves saved so we can't sin. Well, if our safety, our security is in ourselves and our sinlessness, well, we're all in trouble because we all sin. But Christ is going to pray for his disciples here and going to talk about the Father keeping them. And you'll see the word keep at least three times here in this passage. So I, I chose the word security as to try to capture this idea of Christ is praying for uh, the disciple makers uh, to know their security in Christ. And when you know your security, you got a lot of um, peace and joy, and we'll see uh, some of the results of knowing our security in in Christ. Okay, so let's uh, we'll pretty much go with two verses uh, per point here, and starting in verse eleven. And Christ again here in this prayer is talking like he is already past the crucifixion, past the resurrection. And he's almost like here in verse eleven, I'm no longer in the world. Well, he's going to be in the world for at least. Um, until his, um, after his resurrection, 40 days, but he is talking like 
he's preparing for him not being in the world because he knows I'm not going to be here longer. And so he says, just like he said earlier, that I have already glorified your name and I've already accomplished the work you have me to do. Like he's already talking about future events as it's already happened. It's, it's similar to that here too, that he says, I'm no longer in the world, but they, and he's talking about uh, verse six. If you go back to verse six, you see it is those whom he, who the, the father gave him out of the world. And specifically his disciples here who are hearing him uh, pray this, the 11 for sure. And when they hear him say, I'm no longer in the world, they're probably feeling a little bit insecure. Their security has come the last three years with the, the Messiah is with them. And he has told them in John 14, 15, and 16, right before this, that he's got to go out of the world. He's going to send a comforter or the advocate of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to be with them. He's going to be in them. And so this language now of him not being in the world, and but that they're going to stay in the world, is uh, building on, on that idea. So he says in verse 11, I, but they are in the world. He realizes the disciples are going to be left behind. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Holy Father, keep them in your name. When I first read this, I thought... Our security is in Christ, but how the Father is talked to here is to keep us in his name. Why does Jesus say, keep us in his name? Well, the Son is talking to the Father. You can see Father, Son in this prayer. So there is security in relationships. How are we supposed to talk to God after we are believers? Our Father who's in heaven. And last night at a funeral, we uh, I shared with uh, those who were there. Some didn't know the Lord yet. Um, and there was great security in looking at Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd. We have nothing to want. And all of the benefits of Psalm 23 are if the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have anything that you want. But if the Lord is not your shepherd, you're going to fear evil. You're not going to be comforted. You're not going to lie down in green pastures. You're going to have no peace very little peace in your life. You don't have surely goodness and mercy that are going to follow you all the days of your life. You have no certainty at the end of life because the Lord is not your shepherd. So there is a relationship of shepherd and sheep, but, but Christ here praying for his disciples and is going to pray for unity and asking the holy God to keep his followers in his name. So the son comes in John 1, and he gives us the right to be called children of God. There is security whenever we know that we are in God's family and we belong there. And maybe you tried to, if you were a mean sibling, try to convince your brother or sister that they didn't belong in your family, that they were adopted or whatever else that you just said, um, lied to them. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they were adopted. And even if they were adopted, and there, are, I've heard of stories of 18-year-olds uh, that they didn't realize they were adopted until they were 18, and they really didn't like the fact that they found out at 18 that they were adopted. But their uh, parents that adopted them are, have convinced them over the course of their lifetime and said, you belong in our family. You belong here. We chose you. We are going to treat you like our son or daughter. We're going to take care of you. We have taken care of you. We're treating you like the rest of our children. 
And even if we die, we're writing you in the will, like you are inheriting what is ours because you are in this family. You have our name. So the name of a family gives you a security like you belong. And when it comes to us, everybody wants to belong somewhere. When it comes to us belonging in God's family, the son here says, okay, here is how the father's going to keep us. He's going to keep us in his name, uh, which you have given me, verse 11 continues. And the which is a, um, a um, pronoun that we have to go back and see. Is it talking about the disciples uh, or the name? And the disciples are plural. The name is singular. And which uh, we can look at in Greek is a singular pronoun. So it refers to name. So the name is how the son is related to the father as well. So we are secure because we are as secure as the son is secure. Why? Because we are, the rest of the Bible tells us we are in Christ. And we are in the family of God. And so Christ says, okay, here's where your security comes from. The Holy Father is going to keep you in his family. You're going to have the family name. That, and it continues in verse 11, the, the name which you have given me, and he's going to say that same phrase in verse 12, but he says, which the, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. So security in Christ. As we are secure in Christ, we are expecting a few things here in this, in this passage. Verses 11 and 12 tell us that we expect a holy God to help disciple makers to keep our holy identity. The moment we turn from our sin and trust Christ, God makes us who were once dead in trespasses and sins. He makes us alive. So many things happen at the moment of our salvation. But one of the, the most secure things is we're placed into God's family. And God says, you belong here. I'm going to keep you here. Nothing. And John 10 has already said this. You're in Christ. You're in the Father's hand. Nothing's taking you out of my hand. Like, oh, such security here why do the disciples and those of us living today who are following in the disciples footsteps why do we need this security well i don't know about you but when i was a kid and i i thought i trusted christ i wasn't very secure i was very insecure and i kept praying as a junior hire that God, if i wasn't really sure i was saved or i wasn't really repentant enough that i would really be sincere this time and i prayed and prayed and prayed and i Talked to a few adults this morning after um, I got saved as adults. And they said, yeah, for about six months or so, every time I sinned, I felt like, oh, I might lose my salvation. Um, but you can't lose your salvation because the Holy Father is keeping us in his name. Um, and there is wonderful unity here that we can enjoy in the family of God as unified as the son is with the father. Uh, and it says here, even as we are one. Verse 12. Now he's still talking like he's not with his disciples, but he's praying in their presence right now. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. So he is going to transfer the keeping responsibility uh, from himself because he's with them. I kept them in your name 
He's going to transfer that to the father. They hear him pray this and understand this transfer. Um, While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction. And we know who the son of destruction is, Judas Iscariot, uh, the betrayer. Uh, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And so uh, Psalm 41 and Psalm 109 both prophesy that someone from a friend of Christ is going to raise his heel against him. And Peter uh, quotes, uh, talks about the scripture being fulfilled in Acts 1 that we just read as a church as well. So uh, our security is in Christ, is expecting our God to help us uh, to keep our holy identity, and our identity is the name of God. Um, this is our family name now. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So back in verse 10, he says, I am glorified in them. So how is the Son glorified in his followers? Well, we start having the fruit of the Spirit in us, and we'll see love at the end of this prayer, but here it's joy. And so the disciples are, are hearing Jesus say that uh, they would have Christ's joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Well, we are secure in Christ and have the name of the Father and the Son, where we belong to this family. But you'll see the word of God here mentioned in verse 14. You'll see it again mentioned in verse 17. Sanctify them by thy truth. Your word is truth. He's also mentioned the word up uh, in the, the previous passage, that the word that you have given me, I've given it to them. And you're going to see in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So the disciples are going to spread the word of Christ. So you'll see the word of God mentioned over and over again in this prayer. So how does this fit together? Verses 13 uh, and 14. So there's joy here, right? In verse 13, where does the joy come from? It comes from verse 14. I've given them your word. And I said this this morning, and you can read Psalm 23. And if the Lord is your shepherd, Psalm 23 will should cause you like some of the most joyous verses you'll ever read as a Christian. Why? Because all, the worst thing you can do facing the valley of the shadow of death, you have to fear no evil. Why? Because God is with us. And at the end of it, it says, surely I know that Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And as a Christian, no matter what you're going through, if you read Psalm 23, and you're like, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have any want. This is all that he does for me. He comforts me, and he gives me eternal life. And you close your Bible, and you're like, that gives me so much joy. That's because that's what God's word does for us. It gives us joy. Now, if you don't know that the Lord is your shepherd, Psalm 23 doesn't give you joy. What does it give you? It gives you hatred. Hatred for God, which we've seen in Romans 1. We see it here. As Jesus has given the world God's word and has told them point blank, I am God. I am the bread of life. 
all the IMs, and they're picking up stones to stone him. You're like, what? They're rejecting the word. They're rejecting the son. They're rejecting the son's word. And Jesus knows <laughs> that whenever he sends the disciples out into the world, they're going to reject the disciples too. Why? Because the world hates God's word. If you could, and you, you may have, uh, shared the gospel with someone who did not want to hear it. And you can see them go from a friendly smile to, I wish you would stop talking. And maybe they even say that to you. Please stop talking to me. I don't want to go any further. Um, it's because the world hates God's word. But Christians, and he's praying for his disciples here, and he's praying for us as disciple makers. We love God's word. And having God's word in a world that is hostile to us gives us a lot of joy. So security in Christ is expecting an unholy world to hate our love for the word of God and the joy it gives. Every Christian who has ever lived, as they have the word, even if they're in prison, even if they're being tortured, even if they are running for their lives, like we're reading in the book of Acts, even if like Paul, they're stoned, even in Acts 16, we'll see that uh, Paul and Silas are beaten and their feet are in stocks. And what are they doing? They're singing and praising God. Why? Because you can't, the world can't take our joy. Our joy is connected to our God and our security in Christ. And we expect, we should expect the unholy world to hate our love for the word of God. And that's what we see here in verse 14. The world has hated them. Why? Because they are not of the world. How does the world know that we're not of them? Because we have God, Christ's word, and Christ's word was contradictory to the world's word, the worldview of the world. And I, I read an article, and I think it's a book too. Uh, it's um, something along the lines of don't follow your heart or don't, don't listen to uh, your, your own heart. And that is what the world is preaching. And Christians say we can't follow our heart. We, we can't be true to ourselves. And uh, we don't try to be uh, if we're faithful to our Savior. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. So the disciples listening to this are like, oh, we want to go with you to heaven. But he's, he's praying to the Father and says, I don't ask you that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Again, reiterating what he said uh, just in verse uh, 14. So what is security in Christ expecting in verse 15 and 16? Not the world to hate us, but something, another enemy here in verse 15. Christ is praying that he would, that the Father would keep us from the evil one. So the word of God in verses 14 and 17 are the context of the evil one. What does the evil one try to do um, against us when it comes to the word of God? Well, the evil one can cause people, and it does cause a lot of people, to twist God's word, to misinterpret God's word. Uh, we know that the parable of the sower, where the sower goes out to sow the seed of God's word, that the, the that falls on hard ground, where the, the birds of the air come and swoop it up, and he says that is like what Satan does whenever people hear the word of God and their hearts are hard, they, they forget God's word. We also, as believers, uh, are tempted many times to doubt God's word. 
Um, and so all of these things that the evil one is trying to get us to be separated from Christ, be insecure, and Christ is praying for the disciples, he's praying for us that we would know our security in Christ. But we are expecting an unholy world to hate us in verses 13 and 14, and we're also expecting an unholy enemy, Satan, to cause us to doubt God's word. This is, and we can't be ignorant of his devices, um, I think it's 1 Thessalonians says that. So Christ prays for the disciples. He's praying for us. We know right now he's interceding for us at God's right hand and that the Father would keep us from uh, the doubts of Satan. What did, what did Jesus do when he was tempted by the evil one? He quoted God's word. What do we do when we're tempted? What is the only sword of the Spirit? It's the word of God. So we use God's word, and that's the, that's the context here as well. Verse 17, we have this verse on the front of our auditorium. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I've sent them into the world. Now, Christ has temporarily sent them in the world. They've come back, but he is planning to send them, and they're going to be scattered into uh, the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. The word sanctify is the uh, verb form of to make holy. Okay, so sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I consecrate, same word, to make holy, uh, and then sanctified in the truth. What is Jesus saying here? Security in Christ is expecting the holy word to transform us. Transform us How? Well, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Okay, so it sanctifies us with truth, countering lies, doubts, falsehood uh, about God, about our security, about what Christ has come to do, what Christ has accomplished, the hour that Jesus prays about. All that Christ has prayed about is uh, a lot of truth here. Verse 18, and he's sending his disciples into the world. So Christ sends the truth into the disciples, and the truth, the word, is, is changing them, sanctifying them, making them holy for a task. The task is to be sent into the world and to represent Christ, to show the world what the Father and the Son are like. The world's going to hate it. Satan's going to oppose it. But we're secure in Christ. And our security in Christ, just like <laughs> gasoline on the fire, it cannot be put out. And the disciples aren't going to be stopped as we read the book of Acts because uh, the Holy Spirit's going to empower them to do what Christ prays here. He's going to send them into the world. And for their sake, for the disciples' sake, Christ says, I make myself holy, that they also may be holy. So they have an example in Christ of what holy uh, ministry, holy living, holy devoted to, to God alone looks like and whole, wholly um, secure in, in the word, using the word properly, that they also may be sanctified uh, in truth. So security in Christ is expecting the holy word to transform us as we go to use it to see the world transformed. So the Father's glorified as disciple makers of Christ know their security in Christ. What is security in Christ? It's expecting a holy God to help us, to keep us, expecting an unholy world to hate us and hate the, the word of God, hate the joy that it gives us, 
uh, security in Christ is expecting an unholy enemy to, to cause us to doubt God's word, but it's also expecting that holy word to change us from the inside out and then use us who have been transformed to see the world transformed. You say, okay, what's that have to do with me? I'll just close with one, one thought. If God can use simple fishermen, a hated tax collector, these are all his disciples, a misguided zealot, and what we know of the disciples, they were doubting, they denied Christ, they were fearful. If God can use people like that, then he can use us. And the same power and the same plan that Christ reveals for us in this prayer is the same thing he's doing right now for us, keeping us secure in Christ and then changing us as we're secure and sending us out to tell the world they can be secure in Christ as well.